Welcome to the Marvel Cinematic University podcast. I'm your host, Anthony Canton III. We are continuing our coverage of The Falcon and the Winter Soldier, episode two, The Star-Spangled Man. Um, and we have our panel here, so let's introduce them right fast. Uh, we have our super producer, Jake Christie, is in the house. Jake, how are you? I'm doing well. I'm happy to take up the mantle of Captain America. Uh, oh, sorry, we're not doing that? Oh, that's fine, sorry. <laughs> and then also... Just like Kyle Lowry returned to the Raptors, the only difference being Jerome actually has an impact on this podcast as opposed to Kyle Lowry, who came back and the Raptors are still losing. 18-29, what's happening? Nonetheless, Jerome Chang, how are you? Welcome back. He did not play those games. (laughs) I'm happy to be back. And and, uh, we have a special guest with us tonight. Uh, she's a part of the Want Not Need Fund. Uh, shout out to her for doing that. She's a DC enthusiast. Well, we've had her on Wonder Woman and uh, fixing the DC pods before. Uh, now her first Marvel pod with us, Shivani Banfall. Welcome to the program. Hello, hello. Yeah, it is my first Marvel. How exciting! That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So this is a, this is excellent. So before we get into the meat of this second episode. I know Jerome, you missed last week. Uh, Shivani, you're kind of new the new to the proceedings here. Um, I'll start with you, Shivani. What was your take of the first episode in general? Uh, what what did you think of it? The vibe, whatever your takes are. I thought it was really interesting that we didn't see them interact at all, like uh, the Winter Soldier and Falcon in the first episode. And then we really just got this tease of it's going to be a slow burn, even though it's only six episodes, which is like really disappointing in my opinion because <laughs> you're just like okay it's gonna take forever to get to the places that you want it to take and then you're not gonna have enough of the things that you want to see so um but i do i am excited because i feel like it it's paralleling the world as we are living in it right now and we're seeing all these interesting social justice topics that are going to be touched so that's exciting yeah, for sure. Very, very interesting. Uh, Jerome, uh, what were your thoughts on not only the first episode, but just uh, your expectations coming into the series and how they started off so far? I need them to kiss sooner, but otherwise it's been, <laughs> no, it's been fine. Um, I think, uh, yeah, it's it's been, it's a, it's been kind of a good, I don't know if it's good. It's just nice that it's different from WandaVision, but it's Marvel. And um, uh, I, was actually just listening to episode one earlier today. Um, But like your, your last episode that I wasn't able to make it on, but you know, seeing the action, like uh, from that first opening scene of Falcon getting out there, uh, it was like everything I was hoping for. He's just such a visually compelling uh, action hero uh, in the Marvel universe compared to a lot of the other characters. So I've been very happy about seeing that. And then, um, yeah, it's uh, it's obviously like it's less cryptic than WandaVision is. I think we can kind of start reading the notes already about where things are leading to. And Shivani already kind of tapped into just, you know, not just like the more overt, obvious things that already happened in the episode, but even just looking at John Walker, that that guy, I mean... I'm more worried about him than I was with uh, Taylor in WandaVision. I'll say that much. Um, but no, it's it's been really fun to watch so far. Uh, side note, um, I'm starting to watch 
the Mighty Ducks uh, reboot uh, in tandem with it. I'm very excited about that. I, I hate to say it, but uh, coming off of last Friday, I think I was more excited for the next Mighty Ducks. Nothing against Falcon Winter Soldier. I'm just a big Mighty Ducks fan. Continuing the sidebar very quickly, uh, what was your impressions of the first Mighty Ducks? Uh, was it oh, good? Man. Is it something it's worth so checking fun. out? Yeah, well, I mean... I'm not the person to ask. It'd be like saying, like, are the Toronto Raptors worth watching uh, this season? Uh, probably. <laughs> Actually, I don't even know if I'll say that. But um, no, it's been, uh, I'm, I'm just such a big fan of the movies. Like, it probably beyond any kind of reasonable amount. So uh, seeing it back and just hitting all the notes it does, uh, they do some interesting stuff in flipping it in that, which makes sense for the series. But the Mighty Ducks, because they were such a storied franchise, like in its original trilogy, they're now the bullies of this film. Like they're, oh, or, uh, they're the the premier team. So uh, the new kind of ragtag group is the group that is rejected by the Ducks, which is kind well, of- Well, I'll be darned. How is Joshua that? Jackson in it? I don't know. That's the <sighs> thing I'm trying to figure out. But like, I know there. so Gordon Bombay has already returned since the first episode. Everyone else is new um, coming on. And uh, I think I've seen some promo photos of people returning. But, man, if Charlie Conway doesn't come back, uh, that's going to be... Yeah, like, we kind of need that. We kind of need that, right? Like, that's yeah. uh, that's to make up for whatever uh, cameo, uh, Luke Skywalker-level cameo. I know Fulton Elizabeth Olsen is coming promises. back. And the Fulton is coming back in the show. Fulton Reed, so. yeah. So, see, that's yeah, good. That's I feel like huge. He, I feel like Keenan Thompson just, like, should show up. I feel like he could just... I feel like he would. Oh, I Googled it. Yeah. Uh, J- uh, Joshua Jackson, it's unclear, which means I assume for the first season he's not going to show up. Um, right. See, I don't. Yeah. He's I don't too big. Know time. that though. Like, I, I don't want to. Oh, sorry about I mean, that. I, no, no, it's okay. Like, I, I think that's always been, like, my stance. Uh, even like when it's come to like Wandavision and, um, Falcon Winter, like everything ahead, I've become more and more detached from wanting to know anything behind the scenes because I really like to discover now at this point, like on the screen, things that are happening. Like, whoa, this mm-hmm. person was in it, and like not expect them to show up because I know they've been seen on set or they've been casted for whatever, you know? So, gotcha. um, no, Mighty Ducks is really fun. I'm really excited for that to come back, uh, for another episode. It's, it's just, it's a real feel good time. <laughs> hey, no, ain't no better drug than nostalgia. Let me tell you. Um, and on that, and on that note, uh, we start off with the plot of this episode and, you know, we start off with John Walker, uh, see him zippering down the jacket of the suit and apparently he's at his high school, his uh, former high school, and you know he he rips off the little tag that has his initials on it at the at the locker room. And mm-hmm. what I assume to be is his wife Olivia shows up, mm-hmm. and uh, Olivia shows up to give him a little bit of a pep talk, mm-hmm. as he seems like this is just a shock to him. This is all kind of like if I can really raise quickly. a quick like very. I'd say very Bill Simmons tangent. What position do you think uh, John Walker played? And do you think he could have gotten D1 offers? <laughs> he, is he definitely like the quarterback? Is he? I, mean, I yeah. felt like he was the I quarterback. Think, I think he's he got to be the quarterback. Be. Yeah. But then you also have to wonder then, like, did he not get any D1 offers? Or did he just like love patriotism so much that he had to go to the military? I'm just wondering. I feel like he, I feel like he loved patriotism so much. I really do. I, I think yeah. it was that. I feel yeah. it was just like he was the star of his school and he mm-hmm. took that to being like, yeah, I want I think to be the star right. of this country now. The, the only, the other position I can imagine him playing is like a corner or a free safety. But other than that, I think, I think he definitely was the quarterback though. I just wanted to ask the question. Well, yeah, nonetheless. Um, so yeah, she's, 
she's trying to pep him up and basically telling him to be himself. And, you know, you, you could see there's a, there's a nice little bond there. So that was cool to kind of give, give a little bit of background. And then of course she walks out and then Lamar Hoskins walks in. Uh, we know him from the comic books as Battlestar and he shows up and I thought that they had a very interesting uh, short conversation. I thought the one thing that came out to me from that was when Lamar says to John, he goes, well, just remember, like, this is all a part of the job, like, because John's talking about all the interviews and handshakes with senators and all this other stuff. And then Lamar goes to him, you know, you're not always going to be able to punch your way out of anything, which is kind of a callback to Civil War, Mm -hmm. where at the airport before the, the whole fight between the Avengers is about to go down, uh, Natasha goes to Steve. You sure you want to punch your way out of this one? Which mm-hmm. is a nice little callback, and it kind of gives us a little bit of a background to Walker. He seems like he might be a little bit of a hothead and might have a little bit of a dark side. So I'm very intrigued uh, on where that goes. Um, so th- then the credits roll. We get the band playing, uh, it, it, and he walks out onto the field, and you know he's signing autographs, he's signing uh, toys, and all that other stuff. And so he's doing an interview with Good Morning America and they basically, you know, ask him the general puff questions about where he's where he's been, how he got to this point. And he tries to be modest, but then, you know, they give kind of all of his accolades that, you know, he te- his body tested. So MIT was studying his body. This was and- well done. This was good exposition, the way that they phrased it. It obviously because they had to get all that info out, but like yeah. I like the way that they did it, where because it felt completely like that happens all the time on like morning talk shows, where it's like someone's modest, like oh, and then like the interviewer in a way that's almost a little bit rude is like, come on, you shouldn't be modest. You're a this, a this, a this, a this, and this, and so I I appreciated getting that information in a quick way. No, one hundred percent. And um, I should ask Shivani, like, do you know? Do you have any background on John Walker before this series started? Yeah, he was in the like, comics, right? He was in yes. Um... He was a villain, though, in the comics, if I remember, or he was at least like the anti-Captain America. And then he did take up the Captain America moniker. Um, But yeah, I thought it was interesting to see that whole John Walker opening in film just because it was like, okay, they're painting this like humanizing narrative of this like new Captain America. We're supposed to love him. Um, which is so different than the way that we were introduced to like how Falcon is in like the first episode, right? Like he's, he is human. He's so real that he's like us kind of, but um, it was interesting. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. Uh, Jerome, you know, as somebody who is not like probably too familiar with John Walker, what did you think of this exposition to kind of give a little bit of background on him? I think the problem is I actually like already know where he's kind of headed. So mm-hmm. it's hard for me to frame it in a way that are they convincingly selling him as a humanized character or is it just I already know that this guy's bad news. So um, it's hard to even it, it's almost like they're making such a hard sell when I know what he really is. I mean, I think that the the thing I wonder about, though, is I think that the, what I'm getting is what what I feel like they're trying to set up is a situation in which he is an antagonist, but he's not evil, if that makes sense. And I'm not saying that he's not a bad guy, yeah. but I think the point they're trying to make is like, and I think this is interesting if they can do it. And the, the problem with doing this and anything is that you'll risk being too sympathetic to someone who's a bad person. But mm-hmm. I think stories, in my opinion, are more most interesting when 
a person who does bad things motivations are not bad. And I think Yeah, well, that, no, I think I think very yeah. much uh it's like the best villains are the ones that really believe they're doing something right. Yes, but I, and I think that there's even a different shades of that cuz like Thanos thought he was doing something right, but obviously he was killing millions of people. For sure. But I, I think like, like, yeah. he really does think this is like a noble cause and he's exactly. taking up a real mantle. And so it's kind of like, yeah, I think there's probably gonna be a mix of things that are going on between him struggling with himself, but mm -hmm. also just the idea of the two people, like we find out later in the episode, but the two people who should be the ones to accept him first and mm -hmm. foremost, because they were closest to Cap, if they don't accept yeah. him, like, does that actually create a turn in him that and, way? And I also wonder too, if I think one of the most important developments for Cap to have, which he has in Winter Soldier, and I think... I would speculate that John, the thing that John Walker doesn't have, which is going to make him a villain, is that Cap realized that in order to be most good, he, like, while he was patriotic towards America, you, the most good person is never beholden to a country or to anything like that. And yeah. I think that what I imagine is John Walker's not, I don't think John Walker's going to wake up one day and be like, I'm going to be a bad guy. I think that he's probably going to be asked or implied asked by his, you know, the, it's also in how man, he's yeah. connecting. It's also how he connects himself to Captain America in such exactly. broad strokes without actually understanding Knowing what it. that person was like, yeah. and yeah. using that as a way to just justify like his own nobility. Because mm -hmm. uh, first, not just taking the title and the mantle, but somehow trying to connect in himself the same qualities as a person, and I think that's like where it's going to turn back. Exactly. Yeah, before we continue, and, you, and Jerome, you made a really good point there. I think one thing that I do want to add on uh, on the whole, like, uh, John Walker and how we view him, at least at the start. Um, you know, it's one thing to have the obvious Lamar Hoskins character, because that's a character from the comics, mm -hmm. so it's an easy connection. Um, I thought the choice of Olivia being Black was also an interesting, an interesting thing, because... It's like one of those things where we've been all like, and I guess Black Twitter's been doing this uh, for a good portion of the weekend. Been making jokes about whether the, the dude's a racist. He looks like a racist. He looks like somebody you want to punch in the face. And I and it's funny that the show has gone out of their way initially to to do everything to tell you, hey, this is not what this is. This is something else. So I I found that interesting in terms of exposition. And um, the way that they've decided to lay out this character, at least initially, so that we find other reasons as to why eventually, whenever that turn occurs, then you can almost kind of quote maybe unquote, they should do what they reason. did with Vision and just throw him in a couple of turtlenecks and see how that responds or how that. Plays oh, I'm pro turtleneck. Hell yeah. Yeah. But um, we'll never get Paul Bettany to be like, no. John Walker will never be Paul Bettany. <laughs> no, but, that's not going to happen. <laughs> I will say that Wyatt Russell, though, as John Walker is really jarring because I've never seen him in a role without his fucking beard. Mm -hmm. um, so ex excuse my language, but um, that was like, oh, that's the same person. I but, mean, the um, casting is so good. Like, it really in is. that, like, looking at, I think Steph mentioned it on the last pod but like just looking at him you don't trust him i'm sorry wyatt but like that's just the case <laughs> and yeah. also i think that it's i don't know how smart i mean marvel's very good at casting but like the only director that i would bet would was thinking about this would have been david fincher so i'm not going to give marvel this credit but <laughs> the fact that his whole story is that he is inheriting something that he didn't earn I yes. think it's very interesting that they cast someone who's both of his parents. Like Hollywood stars. Dynasty. That's, yeah. that's I think it, that's very interesting. Walker. Now, I don't think that Marvel, I, I am not going to assume Marvel's that's doing that on purpose. But it is, and also, honestly, I think it's, you, you joke about it, Shivani, but I think that the fact he doesn't have his beard, I feel like there's a certain, 
there's a certain look that like I just there's a if someone who normally has a beard doesn't have a beard, you don't trust them. I think instinctually. Wait, I have you a question, I mean? Shiv. What if we started with um with I Infinity War, Captain America, and then went backwards. Like, what if he went that like we knew him only as like full beard, zaddy, Captain America, and then later in the process he just like goes clean shaven? How would that reframe how we look at his character throughout the series? I am ooh, I don't know. That's like different though, right? Because we see him like with the beard, and then you get to see him all like girl. I don't know. Like now, I'm like feel like I'm fangirling, um, beards. <laughs> That's, <But> fine. <laughs> That's fine. That's fine. We've, I, we've I, had I, I, I am too, <laughs> to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> but um, I don't know. Yeah, it's it really just like the, uh, what Jake was saying is just like without his beard, you just like don't want to trust him. Nah. Um, you're like it's like a whole identity crisis. Um, but, and it's kind of funny because he's. I've listened to interviews that over the past week. He seems like a nice guy, but it just like oh, yeah. you don't know what shitstorm he has coming towards him. I, I still like. I remember his character in Twenty Two Jump Street. Very likable. Mm-hmm. It's but it's like he lied to us like yeah. by taking yeah. away his beard, right? Like yeah. you, uh, we've <laughs> never actually known who he is because he has no, like without the right. beard. But for me, John Walker was just like walking, humanizing military propaganda. That's mm-hmm. what he is. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah, 100%. And to kind of close off the interview segment, uh, she asked, the interviewer asked, did you know Steve Rogers? And he kind of, you know, goes on about how I followed him as an Avenger. And, you know, I can't fill his shoes necessarily, but, you know, I'll do my best to to, to fill those shoes. And then, of course, we cut to Bucky, who's watching... Uh, watching this in shock and horror um, because I, I, I'm assuming that he thought that Sam would have uh, taken on the mantle. So then we immediately cut to Sam and Torres. They're, they're trying to get on a plane to Munich to go confront the flags, the flag smashers. Mm-hmm. And Bucky shows up immediately and uh, is like, Hey, what's up with the whole shield thing? What's, the whole, what's going on? So immediately we get a little bit of a confrontation between the two. Uh, Sam is basically, I, I'm not trying to hear this right now. Um, you know, it broke my heart too that that um, I had to see that because obviously he didn't realize that this was going to happen, which, you know, honestly, from a character standpoint, I think that would have been a mistake on his part because especially after everything that he's been through, if you mm-hmm. look at what happened in Winter Soldiers, seeing Hydra take over the government and all this other stuff, you can't trust the government to, you know, handle things properly, specifically with something like uh, Captain America Shield. But nonetheless, um, they have a little back and forth. And then Sam is like, listen, I'm going to go off. Red Wing gave me some intel. And then we get into the whole big three conversation. Um, androids, <laughs> oh, wizards. And what was the other one? Androids, aliens. aliens and wizards, which was a nice little line. And then you immediately get that chemistry between Sebastian and Anthony, which is part of the reason why you look forward to the episodes in the series and what you kind of missed in episode one, even though I get why they tried to separate them and at least give them, give them their backstories. Uh, it was a pleasant, it was, it was pleasant to see them together. What do you think, Jake? I think that the chemistry is like the selling point of the show. Not that I think the other stuff's bad or even not like, but I think that they have a rapport that is not, while like there's a lot of quips and quippiness in uh, the Avengers movies and all the MCU movies at large, uh, they there really isn't enough. There are not that many pairs that specifically just the two of them have great chemistry like that. And I think that um, there really is. 
it, it, it's not just since there is the tension so much and they kind of the characters do kind of hate each other a little bit but they also love each other <laughs> a little bit which is like the whole which is why it works and it's not as simple as just like joke 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 um i don't know i think it's just and if there's just the type of thing where you want when you watch some actors together it's like these actors clearly like being around each other and even if they're playing characters that don't like each other it just always feels so much more natural when it's people who are comfortable in the same space together yeah 100 percent. so we then go to them on the jet towards uh towards munich and sam is about to get ready to jump off they they trade this little stare down which um you know is a ironic part of the episode as we'll get to later but but sam is uh ready to go and then bucky asks, do we have a plan and, and sam is like oh, sam doesn't really you know care as to bucky's feelings on the subject and then he calls him buck uh, which then bucky responds to you're not you're not going to call me that uh steve only Steve gets allowed to call, only is allowed to call me that because he always had a plan. And then Sam goes, I have a plan. And then he, and then he jumps out and then they're like 200 feet from the ground and Bucky looks for a shoot. And then Torres is like, there is no shoot uh, because we're 200 feet from the ground. And then Bucky just tears off the, tears off his sleeve. We see the Wakandan uh, uh, arm again. And then he ju- he just jumps out, which is funny because it's like a reminder of all those uh, Captain America just jumping out of the airplanes uh, in prior films. And of course, Bucky, uh, you know, goes through some trees and lands right on the ground. And uh, Red Wing Red Wing shows up. Uh, Sam goes, "I have all of that on camera." <laughs> and then and then uh, Bucky ironically says, I, "I I I hate you. I really want to break that that thing." in terms of Red Wing, which unfortunately we'll get to a little bit yeah, uh, later in the next couple of minutes. Uh, so then they are both trailing the the Flag Smashers. And this is where the chemistry continues to show itself in these scenes here where they're, where Bucky kind of just wants to go after them. And Sam is like, hold up, hold up. <laughs> they have this little talk where Bucky goes, I have a vibranium arm. And then Sam goes, well, shit, I could fly. What's the difference? <laughs> so it's, it was funny to see that happen. And and then, of course, as uh, Bucky uh, goes ahead and he and he's trying to look, look around, Sam makes the joke. It's like, man, your time in Wakanda has made you very stealthy. Uh, what are you, White Panther? And then, and then Bucky goes, no, White Wolf. And mm-hmm. then Sam goes, what? And this is a nice yes. little moment uh, going back to, uh, to Bucky's time in Wakanda. So, so, uh, so as they look at the Flag Smashers, uh, Bucky thinks there's only two of them. Sam, obviously, uh, with his uh, tech, can see that there's eight of them, including an alleged hostage. I just want to so, say this is dumb, Bucky saying there's only two of them. Like, oh, very. You, just because, like, it's not even like you need a special tech. There are walls, man. You don't know. Like, what? He just, he just. I mean, obviously, he's just itching for a fight. Some might say he's cruising for a bruising, but it's just as real. <laughs> just come on, man. Like, it's it's not like literally just be. It's the lack mm. of object permanence to see two people in a room and be like, okay, there are only two people here. Period. Anyway. He's also the Winter Soldier. Like, before you know that all these uh, characters are also super soldiers, like, he would walk into any room, doesn't matter how many there that are, and straight up murder them. It's his assassin. Yeah. It's his move, yeah. Background coming Yeah, he's down. used to that. The only difference is, as we find out, these guys are also really super strong as well. So, 
so that once they see that there's a hostage in the in the car and they're in the trucks and they're and they're getting away both sam and bucky go off to to chase them then a funny scene happens when bucky goes into the back of the truck which by the way if you were in the if you were in the truck we see there's a truck behind them once you see that this dude jumped in the back of a truck and you know i don't yeah. know nothing happened that was kind of like a a little thing that i know this was a weird miss there but nonetheless yeah. uh uh bucky confronts uh carly morgenthau and and he and, <laughs> the way bucky talks to her like don't worry everything's gonna be okay you know ask how you doing and all this other stuff and then she has this little smile on her little smirk on her face and then it's on you get a nice little fight scene uh, on the top of the trucks uh sam gets into action true um the flag smashers are beating the crap out of sam and bucky uh, they are not really handling themselves well to this point, and it's fun to see um, all all of the the flag smasher strength uh, brutalizing them. And then not only that, Carly breaks Red Wing, just tears it with tears it with her bare hands. Um, that was pretty cool. So then um, both Sam and Bucky look like they're they're gonna be down for the count. And then we see the shield, and John Walker shows up to the rescue. Oh, and we Jerome's, get, Jerome's protesting. He's shaking his head. Jerome's protesting. <laughs> Don't worry. Hold on one second, Jerome. We're gonna get right to you. So then, what I what, what I loved about this was um, they the, you know during the fight scene, the fight scene is very fun, but they also use the Captain America Civil War score, which mm-hmm. I thought was mm. uh, I thought that was cool too during it. Uh, Jerome, you are protesting. How come you're protesting, my man? It looked weird. <laughs> it just looked weird having like, um, I know it's not Mjolnir, but there's just something very odd about, I guess he's like, he's got one of the best human bodies known to human bodies, but it was just very odd. It was studied to, by MIT. Right. Um, <laughs> but you know, like when Spidey goes like that shield doesn't obey the laws of physics like it felt more apparent there like Mm -hmm. i felt at least like when cap was doing it there's some sort of super soldier situation but it felt like a cheat code and it was really frustrating and i was like i watch all of these uh with two of my friends uh shout out thomas and Kristen, and like we're all from toronto and i was just saying like Oh, I felt this before. This is watching Kawhi play for the Clippers. I just can't like it doesn't feel right. <laughs> it it it's you don't get used to it. Um, everyone looks weird. That's not their uniform. Um, <laughs> Isn't that every Toronto player on a different team? Now? At this point, it is like I just and as someone who like uh, I can't even speak uh, really in favor anymore because I introduced myself, uh, to the Slack group, like the company at the athletics saying, it's really exciting to be yet another Toronto person who transferred to a Californian organization. So, um, so to that end, uh, yeah, I, I got, I don't have anything I could say myself, but no, it was, it's just, it was so weird. Like it was the one time I did not enjoy watching that shield at work. Wow. I thought it, I thought oh, it was wow. kind of different though. Cause like I thought, cause you know how he throws the shield to, to catch Battlestar mm-hmm. from, right. you know, mm-hmm. the um, use yeah. of it. No, no, like it did like in practice for sure. It was, it was just it, like, it, it was completely in a, the petty, person throwing like, it. It's the person throwing like it that I can. Oh, totally. Yeah, exactly. But that yeah. was like the first time we've seen Captain America be like comic-y Captain America, if that makes sense. Like yeah. where with that shield um, Battlestar moment, but um, my big thing from all of that was um, Carly Morgenthau, which mm. um, in the comics, I think is Carl Morgenthau and it's yeah, just one person, right? Yeah. yeah. 
So that so it's a different take. Yeah, it's definitely a different take. Um, I actually like it. Um, I like that she's so badass and just like you know confronted and beating the crap out of these dudes. That was cool. Um, I really, I really. She's doing the opposite cool. thing where like she's yeah. supposed to be the bad like the villain and yet like seems humanized and I kind of sympathize even though I don't really know her situation at all. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and I think the, I think the other thing, it was so cool. It was so corny, both John and Lamar doing the little fist pump thing. Mm-hmm. I was just, I, I was like, this is so cheesy, but I, but it was funny. Like it was just generally funny. And then like, you could see, this, did it have vibes of book. like the the, the heatles getting on and like claiming how many championships are good like just that corny type of thing yeah like not one <laughs> not two yeah but- a little bit they were a little bit they were ready to go though but uh basically all four of the guys who are attempting to fight the flag smashers all take ass whoopings in this and mm-hmm. they get away uh sam and bucky are just uh you know they they have that little funny uh bromance moment where they're rolling down the, in the grass um, oh wait sorry just like in the whole sh- like we got a shout out uh bucky catching the shield part way through the whole thing and just mm-hmm. having that oh like, yeah and total there. disdain in his face as he's just oh, like my oh gosh. my god <laughs> he's like this guy. so good it's, it's a look that you have if you like are scrolling through instagram and then you see your ex with like a new person and you're just like <laughs> I, I wasn't, I did not see this coming. Um, yeah. (laughs) But yeah, man. So like, you know, after they all take their ass whoopings and the, and the flag smashers get away, Bucky and Sam are walking and, you know, they're talking about who these guys are and trying to get an understanding of them. And then, uh, Walker and, uh, Hoskins pull up to them and Walker's like, get in the guys get in. And they're like, nah, they just keep on walking. So, you know, we got the little tension here. And uh, the, the, the truck still continues to follow them slow around. Walker's really trying to appeal to them. Like, hey, guys, like, we need to work together. This is something that, that we could do. So eventually Sam and Bucky get on the truck. Uh, they're talking about who these guys are, where they come from, and, and stuff like that, getting a little explanation and backstory on the Flag Smashers. And, um, and then John, you know, uses some choice uh, language um, as they're, as, as they're talking and he goes like, you know, I, I really, first he, you know, they say that they hacked Red Wing and that's how they tailed them to here, which obviously doesn't sit well with our two heroes. And then on top of that, he, he what you call it, John goes like, I would really be honored to have Caps Wingmen uh, with me, which didn't, didn't rub either both Sam and Bucky uh, the right way. So eventually they're off. Um, mm-hmm. They get off the truck. Uh, they're on their own own little mission, and then uh, John. They're basically giving them the option between fitting in or fitting out. Yeah. <laughs> Although I'll say this, I was really trying to think because they mentioned like, "What are you doing getting off?" It's like twenty miles to the airport. I was really trying to think of what someone would have to say to me in order to make me walk twenty miles, and it's a lot worse than what they said. <laughs> I'm like, I'll take a lot of shit. Like, I'm not going twenty miles. What are you talking about? And Jake was like, I'm taking the ride regardless. He's like, I'll take um, the L, man. I'll nod about whatever bullshit you say about Captain America. I, I'm, I'm walking. What are you talking about? But being called a wingman, though, that must be. I mean, just I'm, like- I'm not saying it doesn't <laughs> suck. I'm just saying it doesn't. I'm going to walk 20 miles suck. I mean, I mean, that whole conversation in itself is a mm-hmm. uh, real, like, hidden asshole, like, situation for John because- you know, it's like we got to work together and he's really like in every other uh, point of that ride. He's more like you got to work for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 He's oh. saying it without saying it, which is I yeah. think is like another 
It's another good sign of um, the writer's room understanding that we don't need to outwardly make this guy a dick for him to be a dick. So like, and in, 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 in that manner- The humility um, isn't really there, I would say. No, it's not. Yeah. It's not. This is clearly somebody who, who feels like he's entitled to this and, mm -hmm. um, you know, continues as such uh, throughout the episode as we'll see later. Um, now, I can't remember. I'm totally blanking out. So what scene occurs next? Is it Sam and Bucky on the plane or is it the Flag Smashers at their uh, at their at this little safe house? That I think find? it's the little safe house because that's how they explain the cut because they wouldn't just cut from them walking to them being on the plane. Boom. OK, so like we'll get to that. We get to that as the Flag Smashers are at the safe house. Um, a very yeah, nice Jeremy cool. man. A very nice Jeremy yes. man wants to help him out. Yeah, yes, With he sure did. He had everything liver. set up. He's, yeah, he, <laughs> he and his wife, he and his wife um, had this all set up for them. Um, as Carly gets ready to speak um, to the group, she gets a text message basically saying, um, you took something from me. I will find you and kill you. Um, this is pretty clearly the power broker uh, sending this text message. Uh, we do not know who this person is as of yet. I'm sure it'll be a very big reveal coming soon. So the the uh, Carly speaks to the Flag Smashers and basically basically she's like, listen, tomorrow there's no turning back. So you're either with us or you know this are the the the, the bus stops here. So so basically uh, one of the other dudes gets a little chant going and um, you know they're all gung ho ready re ready to go. So I, I am interested how that. Uh, that plays out, and it and it seems like based on her verbiage, there's going to be some type of terrorist attack level type of thing happening. Um, I have a question though. How do you guys feel about their ideology? Because I'm a little bit confused about it. Like I get that the whole thing is that they feel like the people who didn't blip away have been basically mm -hmm. forgotten, but. I'm, it's unclear to me, like, what exactly is happening? Like, what, what is, beyond just in the abstract, what's happened? I think there's, like, a part that we missed in the, the John Walker battle, uh, Battlestar and then um, Falcon and Winter Soldier interaction in that truck is that they mentioned the global um, reparation. Yeah. 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 What is that? Repeat. I can't say this word, repatriation council, um, which is really um, important to me in terms of like how we see the flag smashers, right? Because um, if we know what um, repatriation is, it's, it's basically like refugee mm -hmm. um, handling and immigration yeah. and stuff like that. So that goes hand in hand with that next scene that we're talking about, which mm -hmm. is like the flag smashers and like their one world, one people mm -hmm. um, stance. And it's like, okay, well, we've seen you know, everything in like phase four and on whatnot of like them saving the world and the blip and post blip, but we've never really seen like the, the real like effects of like how it's really mm -hmm. third world countries affected everything and stuff like that. So um, we're, we're like missing that big picture. Right. So yeah. like we're seeing yeah. them try to fix all of that. Well, I guess so. that's what I'm saying is what I'm missing is I understand that what the, the issue is that something clearly it's a nightmare that half the population just came back and et cetera, et cetera. I guess the thing for me is I, and I don't know if I'm going to, I just want to have a more concrete idea of how the people who didn't blip away are screwed over. Cause I can like, I can think of ideas in my head, but like they kind of keep, just keep talking about like, they forgot about us. They like this that, and the other, it's like, what is actually well, happening speaking in generalities? I'm, yeah. That's um, what I'm, I'm wondering. What has actually yeah. happened? I think is, like the general idea was that like global elites during the the blip excuse me um they took 
more of the wealth right so then they yeah. didn't like it so it's like it's basically economic inequality yeah and so they just didn't distribute well, that wealth. wouldn't that but wouldn't that imply that the people who would have an issue would be the people who blipped away i guess that's the thing is i i can i can see how people who blipped away would feel like they were screwed over i'm having a harder time seeing how the people who stayed would be the ones who'd want to make and i'm not saying that they can't explain it it's just like if you were to ask me who'd be angrier people who didn't blip away or people who did and people who like came back and lost their houses and stuff you could make it much easier. It's easier for me to understand why the people who blipped away would be mad than vice versa. Not that I don't, not that I can't believe that people who say would be mad. It just is, uh, what, I need more explanation. Yeah. No, totally. Which yeah, is interesting though. Cause like Marvel just mm-hmm. trying to take on like refugees and immigration and stuff is like a totally different thing too, which is like, wow, we're going to just take, we're going to black and white this issue. That's very gray and parallels our like world is it's a, well, yeah, Jake, I think you raise a fair question because, uh, you know, a few times and we got it in episode one, obviously, with Sarah and her situation with uh, Sam being gone and and, uh, you know, not having money and all of that other stuff. And they're referring to stuff. And I guess they're trying to highlight how bad things were. But you would like to see a little bit more of uh, what are the government elites doing here? Yeah. Um, it this power broker maybe this power broker when uh, we see who this person is maybe gives a little bit more of an explanation a little bit more mm-hmm. of a background on on what's happening here i i will hope so yeah. um but i don't know there are a few more characters that are that are coming into the next mm-hmm. couple of episodes that will kind of hopefully put things more into focus but that is a very fair point a very yeah. fair uh, question that you raised but to kind of close out that scene you know they're, they're doing the you know one for all one for people and all that and and then you know of course the, the power brokers on their on their tail so we you know we wait to see what happens there we cut to sam and bucky on the plane and uh you know they're both trying to figure out what exactly the best way is to go about this and bucky's like yo let's just let's just take the shield from john and just let's just do this ourselves and sam was like i don't want to go through what happened after civil war again i don't want to be two years on the run Honestly, uh, a good point, though. With Steve. Good point. Wait, what's that? I said good point. Like, I get on, <laughs> on principle you take the shield, but, like, it's got to suck to, like, not get, like, warm meals and not know you're going to sleep. Like, yeah, I get it. Don't. Yeah, I, it reminds me of Sam saying Infinity War, uh, you know, the hotels weren't exactly great mm-hmm. um, during the two years on the run. And then uh, Bucky brings up, you know, there's, you know, there's one uh, person that I, I didn't tell you about. There's another one. So then we cut to Baltimore, Maryland, and uh, there's a funny little scene as uh, they're walking uh, to Isaiah Bradley's place, and uh, Sam passed by a couple of kids on the on the corner. Uh, one of them goes, "Hey, you! You're the Black Falcon," <laughs> and, and Sam is taken a, Sam is taken aback by this, and he goes, "Wait a minute, Black Falcon? I'm just Falcon. What would I call you, Black Kid?" And they had a nice little back and forth there. That was. I really feel like that's just how Anthony Mackie walks through the world, though. That just feels like he's yeah. mad that. That was <laughs> so definitely. important, though, right? Because yeah. it goes back to, like, comics and how we just always put black before every black character yeah. to, like, signify that they're black. It's like, okay, but they are everything outside of their skin color, too, like, and race. Like, let's appreciate that as well, but... <laughs> yeah, one no, one hundred percent, one hundred percent, and I, yeah, that's something that was a very cute little funny scene. So as both uh, Sam and Bucky arrive at, uh, I say, a Bradley's place, uh, a young man comes to the door, 
And um, this is Eli Bradley. For those who don't know, if you if you don't know now, Eli Bradley is not only the grandson of Isaiah, but he is also a young Avenger by the name of Patriot, who I'm sure we'll see um, in action at some point, uh, whether it's at the end of this series or going forward. Um, he's a character to watch. And um, of, of course, Eli doesn't let them in initially. And then Bucky tells him that, uh, remember, that um remember i'm the dude in in 51 uh that 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 you fought so so then uh isaiah wanted to see it for himself and then uh we see uh carl lumley uh f famous character actor who's been in a lot of, a lot of stuff uh voice of the martian manhunter in the justice league animated series um, he's, you know, he's had a very long, uh, storied career. So, so it's, it was really cool to see him, um, in this. And this is a pretty powerful, short, but powerful scene as, uh, as Bucky is trying to get some, some information out of Isaiah, hopefully learning a little bit more about the super soldier serum. And, um, Isaiah is pretty annoyed. He's pretty pissed. And you can't blame him in the way that he explains everything. Um, he goes back to uh, to to the 1951 war, and he speaks on how he beat the crap out of Bucky and uh, took half of his arm. Mm -hmm. um, and and then uh, and then what you call it? Uh, Release the Bucky tapes. Describes. Wait, what's yes. That? Release the tapes. No, Bucky <laughs> has that. You know, Bucky that has the lid on that. Like the time that LeBron James got dunked on by that kid. Yeah, he's got the lid on it. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> but but yeah, like um, I would have liked to see that. That, that would have been a nice little flashback to go to. Uh, but nonetheless, um, Isaiah is very agitated, um, because Bucky goes like, you know, Isaiah was a hero, mm -hmm. and then Isaiah goes, uh, a hero. They for what I did, they threw me in prison for thirty years, mm -hmm. uh, testing him on the daily, blood testing him. Um, and you know, that, that, you know, that, uh, that had a lot of trauma. And before I throw it to you guys, I just want to say, like, mm -hmm. I took this scene, um, a couple different ways. One, obviously well played, well acted the whole, uh, uh nine yards. And I, th I think it kind of, you know, has some parallels to life. The other was, it goes back to a conversation that we had on the mailbag where we kind of discussed you know, the real life elements of this series and how there's a certain point where you kind of feel almost exhausted, especially me. Like I felt as good as the scene was and as much that I enjoyed the acting in it, there was a part of me that was just tired and tired in the sense that these, these types of stories you know, when it relates to trauma, when it relates to um, the plight of whether it's black people or any any colored people or, or minorities or anything like that, it it felt I felt exhausted. I really felt like, do I need more of this? No matter how much that I appreciate the idea that they're trying to tell Isaiah Bradley's story here, but and always in these in these conversations stephanie is in, is in my brain and, and you know we'll, uh, me and her will talk about this later this week um i go back to something that she said about using a black character to advance a story as opposed to telling this character's story 
I wonder if they're using Isaiah to advance Sam's story as opposed to using Isaiah to tell his actual story. Now, I don't know this for sure. I don't know what's going to happen. Six episodes is very short. So I, I, I'm not sure, but that's my take on it. Uh, how do you guys feel? Jerome, I, I see you want to speak. I um, Yeah, I felt pretty weird about that and also the scene that comes afterward. Um, I think I think that might answer some of your question in that it was so it felt so direct and overt in what happens to Sam afterward that almost seems like it's a direct callback intentionally. Yeah. And I don't know, it's I mean you 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 kind of covered everything uh to that end. I think on one side there is a feeling of does any of this need to be shown for any reason because of mm -hmm. how much has been put forward and how triggering and exhausting it can be for people to view it and feel so emotionally um, attached to something like that. Uh, and then I think the other side too is like, let's maybe create a scenario where tensions aren't as high for people and they can take a scene like that. Uh, if you are presenting a scene like that, I think you have to ask the question of if someone's making that scene in whose hands is it that they're putting it together and like how, how much nuance is there going to be to it? How deftly can they uh, uh, handle something like that? Like Shiv already mentioned for a couple of the other kind of social just justice issues and how they yeah. really have already just like treated it in such a, like a, like black and white broad stroke and not necessarily diving deep that like, I'm not saying that, there isn't work put in behind the scenes to understand the situation, but it still has to reflect in like what we have presented on screen. And so right. uh, I would, I, I was okay with the Isaiah scene at first, just because as I understand, like, I mean, they definitely changed it for the sake of to match whatever they're trying to convey here, but that has been a part of the character's background that they, they yeah. did take up the mantle and were arrested for it. But that's not even to like forgive it because it was probably very problematic in how that original story was put together anyway. But um, I think, yeah, it's, it's just that was that if it was just that scene alone, I still would have been uneasy with it, but at least it would have felt um, a point for that character. It's the fact that they almost kind of doubled down right after that made me just not like any of those that time. And I'm glad you made that point. Uh, Shivani, you had something to add? It's, it's really heavy how they're layering um, the idea of racism. Like they're trying to paint that racism as bad for the white viewer and the white audience that Marvel has, which is, I feel like we are living in this world that where we understand that. So it doesn't have to be that layered and that thick. Um, you almost see like, um sam just going through every single thing that a black man can go through then have wrong which you just i don't know i don't know if that's like what malcolm spellman wanted but um i just think that's like over the top like we there's too many stereotypes that thrown into there that like okay racism is racism is bad and 
this is what's going to happen. And Isaiah, I do think Isaiah's story is getting thrown under the bus a little bit just to, to tell that story too. Um, and it's, it's sad because even just in the comics, like for black captain America and like the few issues that existed, it was like really parallel to what happened in the, the world again, which is like the Tuskegee syphilis study where like black soldiers were being experimented on. And then they were made out to be the ones that were wrong in the end, which is not, how it should be so it's like we're seeing this fictional history also mirror the real history where we're just like erasing the idea and identity of a black man who can be a a hero so it's 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 kind of sad to see to to be honest you're making their identity (laughs) struggle only and like there's nothing else to like falcon or isaiah or any of these other characters like the more you lay that on it feels like that's what you're just doing there and i think that I tend to, and I think that I'm just gonna be frank. I think the the biggest luxury listening to this that I realize I have as a white man in these situations is that like <laughs> I kind of have just like I'm I'm able to just absorb like stuff without getting tired just because it and, and that's a shitty thing. Like and it wouldn't and I'm just be honest, it wouldn't occur to me to be like, is this too much? Obviously, I think it's too much and it's, it's hitting you over the head with it. But like the idea of it making someone exhausted, honestly, it just wouldn't occur to me. And I right. that's a blind spot that I think is that's why you need people of color to do stuff because you know it just anyway. But I think the thing that annoyed yeah. me about the scene, not talking about the next scene too, because I think that it drums right, you need to look at them both. But I think the specifics of uh, the story matter, of Isaiah's story matter. Like, and I think that in, Giovanni brought up the Tuskegee experiment, like that whole parallel. Like, I think that if you're going to tell Isaiah's story as I understand it, and you're going to go into it like the the top line of the story is not the top line but like i just feel like it kind of was weird they kind of talked about it like he was black captain america and i kept waiting for them to pivot to like the they did experiments on people yada yada yada, and they kind of skip over that and it's kind of like well if you're gonna do it then like actually go into the i mean can we refer to watchmen or lovecraft country then like as like examples of like at least they are directly speaking to some of the history too at the same time while putting it in a fictionalized space or like, does that like, I I mean, I'm really asking the question that feels like that's treated differently and with a little more care than what we're seeing here. I mean, um, is care the right word though? Yeah, I guess that's not the word. Um, No. Well, well, I would say like it's specifically specifically in Watchmen. um, Yeah. I felt the fact that they uh, they dedicated a whole episode to Hooded Justice and just, you know, telling that story within an episode kind of gives all of the context that you need to mm-hmm. understand a story so deep like that. So now, again, there's still four more episodes left, so I don't know what they're going to do. But I say this assuming that we have Zemo showing up. We have Sharon Carter showing up. We have the power broker reveal and all this other stuff. So it kind of gets lost. You almost feel like it, it does kind of get lost in a, in a scenario. Like I think that, so. any yep. message you try to give, sorry, Drum. Uh, no, 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 go ahead. Any yeah. message you try to give, whether it's about race or class or gender, et cetera, I think the less specific you are about what is this character specific experiences the more it comes off as just like as ham-fisted and not because it's just like it 
that like once again like the and i'm not saying that isaiah's gonna have to spill his whole story but the fact that it was just as general as i did this and this and they threw me in jail for 30 years and it's like i just like i kind of want to know more because without it it's kind of like the message feels like see it, it feels as facile as this guy was a hero and they threw him in jail that's the experience of being black and obviously that's not completely not what it is but i think that if you want to tell an interesting nuanced story I think that the the things that happen actually matter. And when you just make them like Sam gets to see that being a superhero and being black can be can make, cause you harm and punishment, then like that's just not actually teaching anything anyone anyone anything. It's kind of just like yeah, it's it, racism's bad. And that's kind of what I feel like the next scene especially was the message was just yeah, yeah. racism's bad. And that's like and, come on. Right. Right. And we should get into that into that scene. So obviously they both leave and they get into a, they get into an argument, which I would have preferred if that argument had played out a little bit more, because I think I you're and you're getting into the two of them um, confronting a real issue. But then that gets stopped when the cops show up. And then, of course, racial profiling uh, with Sam. And then it's a, you know, it's a thing for like 30 seconds. And and then the one of the cops says, whispers to the other cop that it's Sam Wilson. So then that whole thing stops. Um, I know, Jerome, you got the look. No, but no, I no, no, just... no. It, it was just it, like, I have nothing to add except like that was such a, like, if, if I felt weird about the shield, like that was a ridiculous scene. Like out of nowhere, just like, let's have these cops drive in. Yeah, and that's the thing. Like, I felt like you have an opportunity there to really have your main characters have it out over a poor decision made up by mm -hmm. one of them, um, which ironically they do in the therapy scene. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. here, like, you have a, it's an important thing, and and Sam's anger is justified. Um, and then, of course, Steve doesn't never knew this information either. Mm -hmm. And that's like a really important moment that you could have built upon and really gotten to somewhere. Mm -hmm. And then it just felt like they threw that in there to hammer home the to your guys points, all of you. Uh, the racism aspect. Let's just focus on, hey, racism here. Hi, it, it just, right it here. Also, um, it felt like what Jake was describing a little bit. And I mean, as Jake was talking about it, I was thinking about what he said. And, you know, when it comes to a lot of the Disney properties that we've been coming through, whether it's been Mandalorian, WandaVision, like all these things, we have been just spoiled and gifted with so many fun moments and memeable moments and buzzworthy moments. Mm -hmm. And um, some of it has been just like the power of the internet of people creating like these really like fun and happy things. And some of it has been like clearly at least some level of intent in terms of like, we know when we put this thing in, people are going to talk about it. And it's fun really there. It's just weird and awkward when it seems like a scene like that is placed there. So you expect to hear on Twitter or on certain like outlets, just, you know, Falcon and the Winter Soldier episode two uh, share, like has, you know, a dramatic police scene or something like that. Like you, you feel almost the intent of creating buzz with that scene. And usually like you notice that, like not just in something like this, but in so many other places, uh, brands or shows or anything, like it's clear the intent is to be spoken about. And very often what when you actually go and look at that scene, it's very hollow, mm -hmm. but. Yeah. yeah, and before we continue, and I know this is an incredible sidebar, Shivani, I got a question for you. So, have you been watching Black Lightning this season? 
Um, I haven't. I need to catch up on that. But all right. So I'm, I'm gonna say this real quick. So there's a there's a scene in this season where I don't know what they did. I don't know why they did it. But they made basically a mirror version of what happened to Brianna Taylor. I kid you not. No. This was a thing that ha- this was a thing that happened. The video had came out on the internet. I hadn't even seen the episode yet. The, inter- the video had came out on the internet, and somebody told me about it. And then I was like, "Oh my god!" And this is a sh- this is a show that I had considered in terms of telling stories like you know family stories, black family stories that was considered important and it makes me wonder who in your writer's room told you to do that and who thought that was a good idea it was just i it just and i know this is a marvel podcast i apologize but in terms of seeing what's happening in this show falcon and winter soldier and then kind of seeing what's happening in television in general why people feel the need to throw everything that happens in real life right into the uh into the comic book realm in terms of film and television and there are just some times where it is tasteless and that scene was tasteless incredibly tasteless ignorant on so many levels and i needed to say it here because at least i have a platform here mm-hmm. to say it it's it was ridiculous i don't know who thought You're of that totally scene, right mm-hmm. it, I, but you just you cannot and it was received poorly as it should have been so, you know, along think, the lines. Yeah, yeah I was going to say, and this specifically reminds me of this. Art can do, and it's particularly popular art, can do a lot in terms of changing minds and changing the conversation, et cetera. And I think that this scene in The Falcon Winter Soldier and what you're describing with Black Lightning are examples of people putting, like, I think there's, I think it's understandable that there's a feeling that, like, if you're not doing everything as possible in every moment to fix these problems, you're not doing enough. But it's like, the times where our stories have she done good for social justice are not when you just put things on the screen one-to-one. Like that's not how, especially in sci-fi storytelling, like in comic book, that's just yeah. not how it works. Just putting And I think that it's kind of cries of, not I say cries of desperation, but like, it feels like very desperate of like, we need you to get this message. So we're going to put literally this thing on the screen. It's like, no, yeah. you don't need trust that your audience is smart enough to like to 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 get it without having to literally put things that mirror eggs because i think i like it when stories like refract what happens in real life but when things just reflect what happens in real life it's like if people didn't get it when it happened in real life they're not going to get it when it happens in the show (laughs) i mean for for me i think i see it from a different angle which is like these tv writers and film writers are you know they're human just like us right um and they're experiencing the same things we are but their outlet is through creation of tv and film Mm -hmm. so they're trying to connect with you know this this audience through all of these things Mm -hmm. right but they're doing it in all of the wrong ways and we've seen it just in this past you know year and this past um fall season of tv um, and this is probably the show that Marvel writers got their first hands on to like actually be like, okay, like this is kind of, you know, we've been saying mm-hmm. it like parallel to human life, whereas like WandaVision couldn't really mm-hmm. be, even though we saw that we can connect through grief. But, yeah. um, um, you know, we've been seeing like the pandemic 
turn out in and you know in television and it's just like really awful to watch because you're also living through it Mm -hmm. and then we're also seeing racism explained and stuff like that but there's so many of these people just like us are learning and unlearning and we're putting the things that we're learning into tv making Mm -hmm. and it's not you're not an expert on it yet so you're just doing it in all the wrong ways and so now you're like after you've put out your tv show you're like unlearning that oh we did it the wrong way and we should have included this this and this right so it's just like a it's a i don't want to say it's a good effort because it's not a good effort at all but it is an effort um and that's why i just keep (laughs) saying that um you know marvel like you all have said marvel might not have to be the one that like tells the story of racism Mm -hmm. and economic inequality Mm -hmm. and racial tension and refugees and immigration and all those things they they don't have to tackle all of that in the fictional world (laughs) which it really seems like they're trying to and i think that's the point that hits home i just throw in another thing Mm -hmm. um just to shift like tapped into it and uh yeah, like that's that's the other part about it because like we've spent the last couple of minutes really criticizing and breaking down what we don't like about it. But yeah, I think exactly to Chip's point, it's just it's clear that there seems to be some work done in terms of understanding and then wanting to convey and use a platform like a Marvel show to put that forward. I think what the disconnect really feels like, and I can speak from experience of just like having to work on stuff before too, like myself, is you can see the difference between a person who is having these conversations and talking about it with people directly in groups like we are doing right now and people who are only having the conversation when they are creating the thing. So there is literally Mm -hmm. no feedback loop until it's out there. Like they've never put forward any of these thoughts to another person who may be a part of these communities who have been like maybe more educated about it, who can speak more uh, openly or comfortably. Like, I think if there's anything like I personally have learned from the past year and then some is just um, you want to speak out for sure for the sake of, you know, advocating and like, you know, using your platform to uh, be able to support other groups. But I think sometimes you actually need to do it. Like if it's a sports analogy, you need to get your reps in. Mm -hmm. You need to actually keep on doing it and speaking with different people. So you realize how many times you're getting it wrong before, you know, that jumper's wet. And so Mm -hmm. um, I think, I think what happens is you're kind of catching it with like everyone rushing back and thinking like with this huge platform, this is where we're going to make the biggest impact. But like, I can speak on behalf of like some things I got to work on. Like I know when it's been this kind of subject matter, it's been different ideation, like types of ideations. Like normally when you're doing a creative ideation, you're like thinking about all the fantastical ideas that you put around it and you create your own narrative and you write it out. And like, it was only when we started tackling things like this, where we just sat there for hours, just asking like, how do you feel? Like, just speak freely on how you feel. And, like, we don't know if we're going to put it down to paper. We don't know if we're going to put it down to any script. And once we knew where everyone was coming from, um, then we had to, like, start asking outward to, like, 
people we were representing of just like, how do you feel? And then mm-hmm. how do you feel? And like, and uh, it's not just like listening to them and trying to translate it into something that we can put in a creative outlet, but it was also us telling them how we felt mm-hmm. and getting their kind of feedback of saying like, this is, you know, this is kind of messed up. Yeah. You're kind of getting it here. Um, you're not getting it here. This is where you need to figure it out. And um, I think that like all those kind of reasons are a, like why, uh, represent, representation is important that you have those people in the room to immediately call you out in the moment and mm-hmm. um, representation is a substantial way where it isn't like you pick the one person to be like the monolith that represents everyone and tells you whether this is right or wrong because more often than not uh, they're probably just going to go along with it even if mm-hmm. they agree or don't and then the other thing too is just like for every individual person is just you know whether it is through personal connection or just how you connect in this place that like we have in social media, just like widen your circle, like widen yeah. your circle and like listen to other different things because uh, whether you agree with it, whether you know it or understand it, like all that's going to play in. And then from that point, like, yeah, you'll be able to speak a little more intelligently or at least with more things in your head um, that you can speak from as opposed to just your own point of view. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. yeah, very well said, Jerome. Uh, and then thank you all, uh, you guys, for mm-hmm. weighing in on this uh, this subject with me. I really do appreciate it. So as we get back to the I'll show. I'll get back to joking about stuff in a bit. Yeah. I mean, so no, the, and, the problem is there's no character and ironically, that I can make jokes about their penis on this show. So it's just like... <laughs> and you know, and, I, and yeah. ironically, we're going to get to a fun scene. Um, so obviously right after, you know, they, they antagonize Sam and then they realize that he's a falcon... Uh, they realize that Bucky is uh, missed out on his therapy session, so they got to arrest him, which is, you know, interesting in itself. He's got warrants. Jerome is saying something very funny, but he's muted. He broke parole. Like, it wasn't the therapy session that he missed. He broke parole. Yes. Yeah, he broke his parole, so they arrest him. They take him to jail. uh, But then he's immediately let out because that hero, John Walker, to the rescue once again. Yes, yes, as he's doing, he's doing, he's doing the MJ, uh, MJ shrug. Mm-hmm. Um, as as he's letting Bucky out, he tells Doctor Rayner that um, you know, Bucky can't be on a strict schedule. Uh, he's an asset. We need him. Also, and no way says, that uh, bail was that much too. He was a parole violation. He's acting like he's freaking Captain America. You, you know, that's <laughs> like, that's not be that's not be ridiculous. He says, I'll see you guys outside when you're done. And so, um, but like, how, how does it work for rights? someone? Yeah. Um, <laughs> how does it work for someone like the Winter Soldier? Because it's just like they pardon him, but they're pardoning quite a bit on his behalf. Mm-hmm. That, like, I feel there has got to be a no tolerance with him. Whereas, just like, if he stole, like, if he was at, like, a, you know, leave a penny, take a penny, and he didn't leave a penny, like, mm-hmm. I think that's like, that's like I mean, I think the thing about pardons is if I understand them, like they I actually don't really just, understand how this pardon works because as far as I understand actual presidential pardons in the real world, right. like you there are no like you you don't feel any of the effects of the crime. Like it just wiped clean. So like I, I mean, guess it this there, is a very specific a situation. Because like when they mentioned it in episode one that he got pardoned, I was like, wow. I mean, I get that he saved the world, but wow. Like, not in Tony Stark's world would this have happened. I would say that much. No. Probably um, not. No. If Stark was alive, he might have had some some things to say about but it. But, like, uh, 
his he's he's a better person though. Yeah, I think is, he should have been. Yeah, yeah, not yeah, like this is yeah, not yeah. restorative justice as it, like a whole. No, no, no. Like, I, <laughs> my my my. This is pure Marvel justice. I just want to say I do not apply this to the real world. I need. To I think the thing that. is, I the <laughs> thing that I, the thing I feel about it is I understand mm. both sides of it because on the one hand, um, and this is obviously completely divorced from like the actual ideal of what justice should be in the world. I mean, mm-hmm. that's just so far away from what this is that I can't even like. Yeah, but in the world we operate in, I understand he deserves to get a pardon because he was not himself when he was committing those crimes. And therefore, sure. I, I'm, I have a lot of leeway there. I, I think that – I understand that. But it doesn't matter how many crimes it is. If, if yeah. it is – because I'm – this is just completely way too into the way I think. I consider consciousness like the basis of every way I think about anything. Totally. And so if it's, his, if, if it's not his consciousness, in my mind, he didn't commit those crimes. So yeah. I understand why he's pardoned. However, at the same time, I fully would – I'm sympathetic to someone who saw him on the street and it's like, wait. We're just going to take this guy's word for it that that wasn't his mind. So, like, I understand, like, the disconnect. There's just, like, a lot of confusion about how to handle the Bucky situation uh, in a way that uh, I'm just going to use the word. It's the best word of 19 and 20 and 21. It's it's unprecedented. I just don't know what to do (laughs) about a situation like Bucky Barnes. Yeah. But, but like Wakanda didn't give us like you know like a whole log of like his mind is completely clear like we you don't think they give that to like the the U.S. government? Oh, there's no or... way the U.S. government's trusting that. There's no way. Like what <laughs> level of community service? Like how many sheeps does he have to herd in? Wakanda I mean, he's definitely on a twelve-step program. He like, is. He is yeah. So. Yeah. But like, I, I think that's like where I'm trying to figure out like with for everything that we've discussed in terms of like his consciences for it, like the level of number of crimes that he's done, um, like are 12 steps enough? Like, are, do we need to put him through like a 36 nah, step version? Are we you know? dismissing his humanity? This is what I hear. We're dismissing his humanity. <laughs> everything inclu- except that left arm. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. <laughs> um, no, yeah. no, I, 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 I am pro Bucky, uh, Bucky's rehabilitation. Um, it's just, it is it, just it is kind of wild still to think about it like it is kind of funny. like when like i mean that's exactly his story right now he's living with it right like i'm laughing about it now but i'm just like man to be bucky like it just less would, than ideal you would think being like over 100 years old would be the weirdest thing about your life but like yeah. no it's just like i murdered as uh, my other podcast co-host andre likes to say he's down bad he down oh, no. real bad. He's down bad. <laughs> he down real bad. I feel like I but, have um, some like affliction though to like uh to Bucky because I just see him. I know a lot of people see him as like a redemption story, but I see him as like he's like the incarcerated story. Like he's in mm. his own mind prison. He's going through his stuff. Mm-hmm. He's been doing his work. I'm like, I I just want to help him. It's it's I don't know. It's the yeah. <laughs> no and, and I want him. Your... Yeah. No, I agree. <laughs> I'm 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 pro get. Bucky help I just again I think he needs a lot of help oh no most definitely and then in this next scene as uh both Sam and Bucky get called into a mandatory therapy session um she's heard a lot about him yeah (laughs) yes they you know they they have this initial conversation and and then Dr. Rayner suggests uh, some looking at each other. Can so I just, I, I have a big quibble. And I know this is, there's going to be every episode where I have a quibble with the way the therapy is portrayed. Not that I know everything about therapy, but there's no way that this doctor who was like a, clearly an army or military officer based on the way that uh, John Walker talks to her and she deals with Bucky. 
there's no way she's also doing marriage counseling at the same time. That's two different specialties. That's like a proctologist being like, let me do something I do with my foot patients. It's like, no, like she just is not a marriage counselor. That's stupid. What a comparison. Anyway. I honestly, it just was like, what do you mean you're, I do this with my couples? It's like, there's no way the person who handles Bucky Barnes is also doing couples. <laughs> yeah, that's a very anyway, specific. So that's that's true. It's a very it's wide yeah, range. Yeah. No, I mean, it's a fair point. It's a very wide range of people. But um, but yeah, nonetheless, they do do the couples gazing into each other's eyes. And then they have a staring contest, mm-hmm. uh, which, which she stops. And then... <laughs> drums i mean the, i was thinking should've. about drums saying they should have kissed yeah maybe they i mean and, but like I... they already should have been like making out full on when they were rolling through the grass like mm-hmm. after their fight but you know we'll get there i think we'll get there i, I can't i completely agree with you drum but i thought there was like a little bit of homophobia in this little scene right that, oh, there's like there's a i mean <laughs> oh yeah with the parting of the legs and all yeah that yeah stuff. i was like yeah. that's a, that's homophobic what are we doing here disney i um, yeah <laughs> it i mean as a person who has like, you know, like anyone else during the pandemic rewatched a ton of old stuff, the homophobia is ridiculous. Gee, like just <laughs> how the, the level of just like guys not being able to show any level of intimacy or affection for another guy is ridiculous. <laughs> um, but no, I mean, you, you right. I mean, go, I mean, I just think about going back to the, to the 90s, no, not even the nineties, no, the two thousands. What, 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 you I like, like a lot of parts of it ago. too. I like yeah. a lot of parts of it, but there is a plot line in Wedding Crashers that feels like it's from 35 years ago. Homophobic right. Guys. Oh wow. The, oh, with yeah, the brother, yeah, it's like that. truly like oh, oh my yeah. goodness gracious. Anyway, um, yeah. Yeah, but nonetheless, I think I think when we talk about the whole Bucky humanity thing, I think when when Dr. Rainer asked Bucky what do, what about Sam aggravates you. And then we go back to what happened at the beginning of the episode, talking about the shield. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, Sam is frustrated. You keep asking me this question. And Bucky's like, he chose you. He chose you. If he was wrong about you, then maybe he was wrong about me. And in that moment, I was like, damn, you know I what? Bucky, that was I like, felt it felt in that moment and how he articulated that. Like, that's where I was like, oh, Bucky is really doing in the work. Like, he is really looking within and he's able to express it in such a, like, thoughtful way. And I would just, and it caught me by surprise. I, like, when that yes. happened, I was like, oh. I agree with you, Drum. I think the problem I had with it is that, that I didn't see it as it's proof he's doing the work. It actually just felt kind of unearned for me. Just because, like, okay. that feel, felt like, based on what we saw the last week, I'm just like, I just don't believe that the way he was acting in therapy the week before that he's going to have that mm. profound a breakthrough that quickly. I'm not saying he can't eventually get there. See, but I just took it as like, like he wait. just had it, he had it there within him the That's whole true. time. He's just been like, yeah. It, he wanted, he wanted from, to I don't say mind that, that they did that way. He just didn't know how to say it to that Yeah, because yeah. I don't need like 35 therapy scenes for him to actually get there. But I thought that I was kind of just like, if that's this, a very If this whole series say. was six episodes of just Bucky going through therapy, I would be really into it. I just want to You'd be really, I recommend so a show on HBO the last like four seasons called In Treatment, where it was yes. just, <laughs> right. yeah, I think you'd really enjoy Shout that. Out to Gabriel Byrne. Yeah, or <laughs> even the by the way, they're bringing that show special. back. The Euphoria special is very good. Yeah, they're bringing it back. Oh, in treatment, oh right? yes, yeah. yeah, 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 very good, very good. But uh, yeah, nonetheless, so Sam then goes, "Are you finished?" And then he goes, "Maybe this is something that either you or Steve won't understand. Is maybe I did what I thought was right." Mm-hmm. Which is kind of funny because I think Sam doesn't want to admit 
Um, and as we saw at the end of episode one, when he sees John Walker with the shield, you know, he realizes that he was hoodwinked, bamboozled, and led astray and all that <laughs> other stuff. And, you know, we realize that this is an issue for him that he doesn't, while I'm sure there's a part of him that probably wants to take up the mantle, it's just everything that comes with taking up that shield and being that face that John talks about at the beginning of the episode. Um, that's just completely different for Sam if he does. Mm-hmm. So right. there has to be there's there's justified trepidation in taking in taking that mantle up. So I understand that uh, th- that emotion in, in real time. So then Sam's like, you know what? We'll squash it. We'll work together. We'll get this situation done. And um, then after that, we'll all both go on a long vacation away. We've we all hated a coworker other. once. <laughs> most definitely most definitely so then they leave therapy and once they get outside john walker there he is again with the sirens just having to be that guy <laughs> and um you know he continues to be like we should really work together and we should figure these things out so they talk about the flag smashers briefly and then basically sam goes to him listen I understand that you want to work together, but you guys are part of the government. Uh, you guys have to go through red tape and you have to go through all these, um, you know, asks and, and things like that. And we're, we're more flexible. So then there, so, so it would, doesn't make sense for us to work together. And then they begin to walk off. And then of course, John has to get the last word in and he goes, well, just stay the hell out of my way. And um, Classic. Yeah, that, that is, gonna be something interesting going forward because i'm sure that they will be right in the hell of his way mm, yeah. so uh, i'm looking forward to seeing that confrontation um at, at some point going forward well i guess uh, the well, real question is because like we all know scene with john like where we all know like at least in the comics where it goes with john and where it uh can go with battlestar 2 is like i'm i'm not like i know there's gonna be a confrontation i'm just wondering exactly what body does john have when he has that confrontation well, I, is it going to be enhanced? This. Is it going to be just him? Just MIT good, approved? Good question. Um, I'll make a prediction. And I like making predictions on this show occasionally. Um, sometimes they go right. Sometimes they go wrong. What does Tyler I, Hayward do to intervene here? <laughs> Maybe not Tyler Hayward, though. That would be a nice uh, That would be a nice power. A nice connect, yeah. If it was Tyler Hayward. But I have a feeling that whenever... Something's going to happen to either Lamar or John's wife. More likely Lamar. More likely Lamar. They're on the battlefield. They're dealing with the Flag Smashers and something bad happens to Lamar. This is going to make John, this is going to what's going to make him turn. Mm -hmm. And maybe in that, he looks to a little bit of a little super cocktail. Mm -hmm. And um, maybe that'll make him a little bit stronger for a few fight. Um, But you don't this think it, it would be like in an abomination scenario where they just take such a bad L themselves that they know they need it? Yeah, well, specifically, John, I don't know how long Lamar is for this show. I think this okay. was just like, yeah, we're going to put him and his partner together for um, you know at least this iteration. And this is another example of uh, potentially a, a Black character being used to advance somebody's story. Uh, with Lamar potentially either being seriously injured or killed, which that is my prediction. I think that's going to happen, and that's going to make mm-hmm. John 
go nuts. And, gonna, it's um, going to be like when Barry Bonds saw everyone caring about Mark McGuire and Jose Canseco in the <laughs> 90s. And it's like, I got to start doping. I, I didn't want to. But like I got it. Right. If the flag smashers right, right, are getting right. all the burn, everyone loves the flag what smashers. What a reference! <laughs> yeah, yeah. The only wow. question is, the only question is now. I this college bets guys is he going with the cream or the clear? Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying, man. If Balco shows up in this, don't don't tell me I'm right. <laughs> oh, that's a good one, Jake. Very good one. Um, yeah. So we're left with John in the in that instance. So I'm curious to see where that goes going forward. Um, we have one final scene with the Flag Smashers. Carly and co are getting ready to get out of there um, to their next either mission or whatever they're trying to do. So they get on the airplane, but the power brokers people show up. Uh, one of one of uh, Carly's people decides, hey, listen, I'm going to take the L. I'm going to take that death because I really believe in what we're doing. Um, I don't know if that would be me, but um, shout out to him for taking that L. Um, mm-hmm. as they all show up and he just runs at them, which I always find those scenes uh, very funny. And even though it's like somebody getting shot and killed, it's just, yeah, I'm just going to run at you. <laughs> and like it, when you think about like the time that it takes to shoot somebody and, um, you know, once you shoot him a couple of times, he's just dead. You can still, you know, go after the people. It's not like you, it's like one dude. It's not like this huge distraction. You still probably could chase. Well, he pushed over down. the pole, you know, so they can't use their cars. I'm not well, saying you're wrong, true. but it's not as simple as just like one guy. Well, in this instance, I should say. Yeah. Yeah. In this weren't instance, they in I tanks say. though? Like weren't they? No, they look like they were in Humvees. Yeah. Hum- okay. But like a Humvee is like a poor man's yeah. tank. Um. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> That, that is that is their draft comp, but um, or a thing that I liked, dream. A, a thing I liked about this scene though is, I think that it's important to establish that like the shorthand in any story, and I think that this is actually correct because I think I this is how I kind of view things morally. That like even though the flag smashers are in some ways the antagonist, the fact that Carly cares so much about losing someone close to her, I think establishes that like, they're not the ultimate bad guys. I think. If that yeah. Makes yeah. Sense. That yeah. like that the way that, you know, if someone's like secretly good is if they care about people around them, which like I said, I actually think that that is a good shorthand. Cause I think that pe- the actual bad people in the world don't care about other people. Um, right. But I think that like, it's important to see that, because because this is also when you're kind of introduced to the power brokers men and it's like oh i don't think the power brokers men are having tearful goodbyes and mordom's gonna die you know what i mean like that's no, the it's also very captain yeah. america to always have a hidden enemy mm-hmm. yes an that's extra true. one and mm-hmm. yeah and the power broker is still to be revealed mm-hmm. one of his men is on the phone and and he says uh you know they got away and uh yeah we'll see what happens there we get one final quick scene of bucky and sam uh talking about and it's funny like there was a there's a little bit of a nod to he says uh you know being held by your people as uh as uh isaiah mentioned earlier and sam goes i I didn't mean him like that but then bucky goes no i'm talking about hydra Mm. and so like so in terms of hydra who knows all of hydra's secrets uh we cut to zemo who ironically is yeah, Mr. Zemo. Mr. Zemo is in his cell still, um, which I found interesting. I, I so after five years, he's you know maybe the the detention center wasn't upended. Nothing happened after the blip. Um, in terms of that, he is still in jail, and that's where we end. Roll credits, and uh, it looks like next week, or, or well, this week I should say, 
um, episode three, we will see what Zemo does. Um, Jake, I will throw this to you in terms of a question. What do you think we are going to see with Mr. Zemo? I think that he's, it's going to be the classic storyline and I say classic in a good way where it's the like, I'll help you out. But you got to take me into this prison. That's not a good accent. But like, so basically, that like he gets kind of like a work release to yes. help them, and then at some point, obviously, he double crosses them, and it turns out that that oh, was all part of his plan. I think he's gonna. I think they're gonna break him out, and then yeah, well, that's what I mean. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, and I think that he's gonna, you know, use that. Um, and I don't know if he's secretly. I don't think he is the power broker. So I'm really curious of whether or not he's secretly working with the flag smashers or the power broker or no one mm-hmm. none of the above um but i'm excited to see the the dynamic because i also think that while obviously zemo terrible guy etc cetera, etc cetera, i think that in the beginning of the episode especially they're going to have some playful some fun banter i think that those three actually can be very funny because daniel Bruhl, even though in this he's also playing a mer- monstrous nazi i think he's hilarious and glorious bastards <laughs> so like i think that he actually can play mm-hmm. comedy really well so i'm excited to see how he works in that trio no, 100%. Uh, Shivani, not only Zemo, but what what are you looking forward to in terms of this show? Oh, so I have, like, a couple questions. Because, like, isn't Zemo oh, yeah. playing chess at the end? Like, who yes. is this, like, when we wild fan theory? Like, who is he playing chess with? And is it someone important later on? Is it on? Xavier or is it Magneto? Because I thought those are the only two chess players. Is in it Doctor? I mean, like, is it Doctor Doom? No, oh. no, no, no. Does the chess oh, wow. mirror what his actual moves are, though? That's always the thing. Whenever there's chess Ooh. being played, you always mm. got to see. Um, yeah, yeah I, I, you know, it's funny. I just I just really feel like Zemo is here to cause chaos. He's an anarchist. Um, and I think at this point, his previous plan succeeded. And now we're going to see him once he convinces Sam and Bucky again, without having to lay a hand on, on either of them. Uh, he will get what he wants in one type of way. And and then whatever he's trying to do, whatever his uh, main plan will be, um, I think will be interesting. And it'll kind of be apart from the villains, which, you know, just, as I said, throw a lot of potential chaos into the show. Um, um, but, but Shivani, do you have anything that you're looking forward to in, in the series? Like, what would you like to see? Any, anything like that? I mean, so Zemo is like really interesting because like you said, we're going to see like the mind games that he can play with them and just like the Mm -hmm. development that we'll see hopefully progress further than it has been like less of this slow burn thing because, you know, we only have a couple episodes. But um, I I mean, I really do just want to see where these flag smashers and the power broker uh, um, connect and, you know. I, I truly believe the power broker also like connects to obviously John Walker yes, and Battlestar um, um, just like the comics. Cause they do connect in the comics. Right. Yes. Um, and I just, the flag smashers to me is just really interesting because it like everything that you guys have said um, we see the emotional like story behind her and Carly. And I just like, I think it's such an interesting and creative way to just see them one as Boeing, a group and two Carl being coming Carly and a woman and the one that's pushing for this like vaccine, which we know is like the super soldier serum. So we'll see like how these, like this levels humanity and like how this levels like these, this blip stuff. I just want to know more about like post blip. I actually, you actually yeah. just made me think of something else, but I want to mention quickly, <laughs> great casting for Carly. 
that I don't know if it's intentional. I I imagine it probably wasn't. Like Erin Kellyman is her name, I believe. Yes. That she played a very similar role in Solo Star Wars Story. Totally. Not yeah. bad. Mm, where she played correct. someone that you thought uh, was bad and it turns out that they were not actually bad, that they were just trying to help their people. And I think right. that she, I mean, it's honestly, she's perfectly cast in that. Like she's someone who you, if you saw and then were told that she was 15, you'd be like, fine. And then if you were 25, you'd be like, sure. So like the fact that you, she can be both, I think is very helpful. Um, right. And yeah, I think that it's just, but yeah, I, re- I realized I'm like, it's, she's playing a very similar character. I don't mean that in a bad way. We're just like, oh my God, this is actually the bad, but like she's sympathetic in a way that I, you know. Um, yeah, 100%. 100%. Uh, Jerome, how about you? What are you looking for- forward to in terms of uh, where this series is headed? Um, I think, I think the thing that's been interesting and I didn't think, about it until i started watching these episodes and started thinking about it essentially post everything post end game uh, and shiv just mentioned it is just how much things are unraveling post blip like the first post blip um thing we had was uh spider-man far from home and it felt like a very like it was just the tony stark memorial tour and Mm -hmm. um and then you kind of just immediately had the assumption that everyone who was involved as a hero is regarded the way Tony is. And I don't know that that's necessarily the case. And I'm starting mm-hmm. to see like, you know, WandaVision shows it where like Wanda is clearly an important part about everything, but is more marked a threat than anything else after the fact. Right. And now you're looking at, you know, Bucky Barnes, you're looking at Falcon, you're looking at everyone who's coming afterward and you forget in a very short amount of time, they were fugitives and war criminals yeah. And then, you know, did a very big thing in saving the entire universe. But weirdly, again, like we have no real world example to like compare it to, to understand like whatever emotion would come out of it. But it doesn't look like everyone's cool with them all of a sudden. And so um, there is there is just like all these like little tidbits, whether it's like each of the characters' personal journeys or just how the world in general is reacting to everything that... Um, I guess it's always the story of the Avengers. They win the big battle and and save like ultimately everyone, but the damage and everyone under that gets affected by it is so irreparable for so many people that they're not exactly loved by yeah. everyone. And so I think and it's it's only like really to like the Tony Starks and like the ones like up top where you're just like thank you so much, but these guys here are still having to go back um and like go about the regular day and like we're starting to see all of that unravel so i think to that end um apart from obviously all the stuff in the show that i want to see uh come together uh it is really interesting just the ongoing post blip story that's being told yeah th- and that's true and to your point like that uh, i really do think of in terms of what i'm interested in is you know they decided to tackle a lot of heavy things uh, what they choose and to get to and not to get to in the next four episodes. Um, it's going to be interesting to me because it's going to make me look at this series uh, just in, in critiquing it uh, differently to see like exactly what the overall plan and scheme of things go. But in terms of the actual story, um, it's pretty clear that it, with Sam, uh Sam's motivation to become Captain America, what, what, how do we get there? Um, and how do we get there in a way 
where it, it feels like it makes sense. It's something that I, I want to watch. Uh, the introduction, the reintroduction to, to Sharon is, which I hope that we see soon. And hopefully we'll see it in this next episode. Um, they have uh, plot points in the comics that I'm interested to. Madripoor. Um, anybody who reads Marvel comics knows that Madripoor is kind of like a huge spot for not only enhanced people, Wolverine, mutants and stuff like that. So um, how they choose to use that place, which uh, we'll see whether it's this episode or, or the next one, uh, will be interesting overall. And then, you know, like I mentioned before, Isaiah Bradley, like uh, you go to such a heavy subject and um, where does it go from here? And then Eli and um, his and his inclusion in uh, not only this project and how they choose to use him going forward. So there are definitely a lot of questions in this series to 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 answer going forward. Uh, before we go, I would be remiss with Shivani here if we did not ask her her thoughts on Zack Snyder's Justice League. Uh, a four-hour epic, over four hours of this cut that we've been waiting to see. Well, mo- well, especially specifically, uh, DC fans have been looking forward to seeing this for a really long time. Finally, came out. Uh, Shivani, what are your thoughts? I feel like I'm the most biased person to ask because I just have so much hate in my body and mind <laughs> towards Zack Snyder, um, but. I, I actually watched it in parts. I didn't watch it all the way through. So Same. am I the only one here who watched it all the way through once? I watch it all the way through, Jake. Don't You're worry. JC's are representing out here. Yeah. <laughs> I I I told myself I would watch it all the way through if I watch it drunk, which I'm gonna do next. But and which I did just, so. But <laughs> I watched been, it sober. It was there's been so much like actual real world drama going on that I've been trying to handle yeah. so I didn't get to mm-hmm. I had to split it up. But um I've seen that so many people are like so into the second half and they love it so much. And I like it didn't do that much for me. Um it's still mm. just a Zack Snyder project that's like way too slow motion slow storytelling mm-hmm. too many monologues too much um monochromatic you know overlays and coloring and so many oversaturated scenes and i can't get past any of that and i apologize to all the crazy Zack Snyder <laughs> fans please don't come get me i don't have the energy to fight you um <laughs> but i don't know I, if listen i think i i, I think i made it clear this is not i don't Oh, yeah, go, I say sorry. No, I, I was going to say, um, I thought the point that you, there were two points that you made there that stood out to me. Oversaturated, yes. <laughs> um, the slow motion, Jesus. Like, guys. <laughs> I remember every fight scene got to be slow motion? A thing I, remember I once heard a director say, which is, it's so, it stuck me forever. I remember I was back like 10 years ago. I was watching a behind the scenes video of Doctor Who. And the showrunner at the time was talking about how he doesn't like using slow motion. And he said, I don't like using slow motion because slow motion is slow. And that is the most, I think about that <laughs> all the time. But it's so true though. It's slow. Like yeah. the but problem with slow it motion is. is it is slow. <laughs> it's, he, it's just so much pomp. Like yeah. we don't need to see them get into their suits and their costumes in slow motion 7 million times exactly. in a four hour span. I mean, we're already at four hours because you want to make every single scene slow motion. Mm. Um, you can tell a story in real time or even simulated <laughs> real time 
and it's still amazing and we see that in so many different projects i, I think the thing too about slow motion because people make jokes about it a lot but i think that the use of slow motion i think is very interesting and specific like the reason you use slow motion you shouldn't use slow motion if the information that someone gets from the slow-mo version is not any more than a regular speed version so if right. you see wonder woman walking like running up to a fight in slow motion are you, is your brain getting all the same information experiences if you just saw them normally? Then don't do slow motion. Now, I think there are times where slow motion is good. Like if, you know, you, you the, know, in the Matrix, it would be a lot worse if Neo bent to dodge the bullet in regular motion because you wouldn't see him That'd doing it. That'd be cool. But like, just be like boom, 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 But like boom. slow motion is totally something different in the Matrix, right? It's, exactly. Uh, it's a whole science in itself. Of, it, like, it's the telling Matrix. the actual story of his, like how he <laughs> views that world. That's not like, just it's, a cheap trick. Yeah. I mean, I this is why I think Zack Snyder is a writer and not a he shouldn't be a oh, that's honestly, I, I, I hate I this is the only time I don't hate saying this phrase as a writer. I don't want him, <laughs> I don't want him on our team. <laughs> right. The thing is, I actually, the thing I actually, I actually disagree with you a lot there because I think he is, I really dislike his visual sensibility. But the thing I have to say is, of every filmmaker working, he has one of the more distinct visual sensibility. Like he clearly yeah. is doing stuff on purpose, which is yeah. the thing that so many bad direct, like that's just the confounding thing about Zack Snyder is that almost every bad movie is made by someone who doesn't, on some level doesn't know what they're doing and this stuff gets away from them. Zack Snyder manages to make movies that I abhor where he's doing everything he wants to do. And ironically, I, yeah. I actually yeah. didn't hate, I didn't hate the Snyder Cut. I thought it was significantly better than the original. It was just fine. Like, oh, yes. I mean, the, yeah, the threshold yeah. for me not finding something to be a waste of time is super low. So like, it was a fine way to spend a Friday. But like, it just is like so much, when it's, when it's at, when it was at its most Zack Snydery was when it's just like, dude, it, it's like if, it's like if someone's really, really, really good at playing the bagpipes. It's like, I can see that there's skill and the notes you're hitting are on purpose, but that doesn't mean that the music doesn't suck. And it's like, he's right. clearly doing what he wants to do. Mm -hmm. It just doesn't work. Uh, yeah, I mean, like um, the epilogue was, sorry, I didn't No, <laughs> no, no, continue, off. no, continue, Shivani. No, um, no, no, no. The, no yeah. the epilogue was like filmed in his backyard, wasn't it? Cause yeah. he like didn't, like oh, that no, was- no. He, he wanted to, um, if they weren't going to accommodate, but they ended up accommodating him by giving him- I just, space. how does this man get so many options? None of them, like, like it, it was, I don't know. I mean, like, I, I mean, in this particular case is because of how badly the original cut went and they just needed like, some level like we'll just give you no what you it's want. actually honestly I, I hate to be jake being this guy thing but it's because if hbo max didn't exist then this wouldn't exist it was a reason Agreed. it was yeah, it, yeah they needed a thing to make people subscribe to hbo max and this is a splashy yes. way to do it that there's, yeah. this would never come out in theaters it was just like a nope. decision and i and, and honestly as a creative person i actually like that this happened for zack snyder like i i, yeah. I wish it could happen to more people i wish other people who got projects taken away from got to do something like this. And like, ultimately mm -hmm. I think it's a fun curiosity and the memes and stuff. Like I, I, I like that it exists is what I'll say. And it's uh, got I would, scratched. Right. Well, I mean, it's interesting though. Cause I feel like it also got made because we had all of the race issues and stuff. I came up with Joss Whedon and I mean, yep. I think Warner the brothers and stuff is bigger than that though. I honestly think, and I very sympathetic. I think the, if Zack Snyder left the film for any other reason than the reason he did, I don't think it gets made. But because he left it because of a personal tragedy, I think that there's a lot. And I think that's, that's great. I think it's actually a good thing that it yeah. matters, you know? Um, it um, wasn't like he was fired off the film. It was that he clearly, like, he wanted to finish it. And so I think that that actually does matter a lot. Um, yeah. And, I, I yeah. would say as a, 
as a person who like produces and edits stuff, uh, watching the Snyder cut, uh, made me appreciate why there are notes. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, so I, I, in development. I, I, don't you, know. I like, I mean, just, uh, I, I, you can, I know the feeling of being so attached to something that you work on that you think like, this is perfect. Like no mm -hmm. one, like anything that you could offer by mm -hmm. way of, uh, feedback on this, like you're just ruining my pure products. Um, no, that when it comes to the Snyder cut, like I think, yeah, it, it is definitely better than the original in that it fills in all the blanks, but I just didn't know that there were so many blanks to fill in and they're definitely way too many added on top. Like also this, and also this. They're, like I actually, like, be, I, yeah, go. Beyond, beyond just like the slow motion aspect of it, um, it's weird because like whenever we talk about ensemble stuff in uh, comic book films, like one of the main gripes that happens when you have like a big event uh, movie is just that not everyone gets their time. And in this, it was clear that Zack Snyder was like, everyone will get their time and then some. And it almost like just offered the counterpoint of just like, oh, I guess not everyone needs their time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like no one needed to see Aquaman that much. No, like, no. I did like when he was... The, 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 I mean, everything I they did like with Cyborg, Cyborg was great. Yeah, it was good. That was the best yeah, in my opinion. But Yeah, shout out to Ray Fisher. Um, I thought definitely... he did a great job. Um, Listen, Ezra Miller is just going to annoy me. And that's yeah. just the oh, way 100%. that it is. I'm so out the of... The running... Mind. What is the running? What is that running? Ooh, like Gal Gadot run or Gadot, whatever her name Gadot. is. Um, Gadot. <laughs> it's 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 Gadot. It doesn't matter, but it's Gadot. As her stylist says Gadot in it in interviews, and it Re drives me bizarre. insane. How yeah, do I know how to say her name? Her stylist doesn't. <laughs> but no, she runs even worse. She's like running at Steppenwolf with like like she's I don't know. Uh, it was so bizarre. Did so they change Steppenwolf's voice in this? No, it's still. They think they just they got rid of a lot of the augmentation. It's still Kieran Hines. Right, no, uh, so, but like it, yeah, yeah. In terms of like, I guess how they treated it in post, it sounded different. Like it felt like they reverse baned him. Like he seemed like I could understand him more in the original cut mm. and then they decided to like distort him even more. Yeah. I, but I don't, re like I'm, I'm not gonna go revisit going. either to find out the answer to no. that. But um, it is worth noting this is actually true. I didn't know this until I like because uh, the Ringers podcast, the big picture did a watch along, which is, I think, hilarious because it's one <laughs> of the people who knows nothing about DC movies. And it's oh, that's great. Hilarious. Um, mm -hmm. But they did mention that Kieran Hines was the actually the first actor to tweet release the Snyder Cut, which I think is fascinating. It's bizarre. Oh, really? Yeah. That's interesting. I, one, because Kieran Hines is like a 65 year old Irish actor. Like, what is he wow. doing caring about the Internet discourse? But also, clearly, I think he felt that, like, you know, Steppenwolf was shortchanged. I mean, Steppenwolf was a better character. Like, he was better in this. Like, everything, it is a better movie. Yeah. Um, but. Like if I were to say like this was the only version that got released, I would not enjoy it. No. <laughs> like just no. I just I enjoy it definitely in contrast to what I know was originally available. Yeah. And this reminds me Like it's fine. It's fine. Right. You're right. Exactly. That's the best way to describe it. It's fine. And it also reminds me why and I think it's a reminder to the viewer as to why Batman versus Superman was trash. And um, just in general, the idea of retconning all these characters on, you know, on a disc um, mm -hmm. <laughs> versus Su Superman was done. right. Mm -hmm. like, there was a way to build this out if you really wanted to do it. And it just felt like he just decided, hey, let's just rush. rush, rush I did rush, try to understand it, like, um, because I, I don't know nearly enough about DC. And clearly, like, this, like, 
I, I don't know if I want to say to his credit, but Zack Snyder clearly knows his material. He put in a ton of stuff that like, I'm pretty sure DC fans were all very happy about by way of Easter eggs and moments mm-hmm. and things like that. And I did wonder like four hours sitting there um, watching and like, is this what like people feel like when they watch Marvel with me and they're not as into it as I am? Like, I just, I tried to like really at least like have the benefit of the doubt of saying like, this isn't my thing because I'm just not nearly as invested. Like not they, some people's calls. Reviewers, and sorry uh-huh. to cut you. Reviewers no, no, no. really were calling this the greatest comic book film of all time. And I don't mean, really? reviewers okay. are those comic book movie reviewers or those like film reviewers? Because I don't know what actual like movie reviewers. But which, nah, you like, know, it's people yeah, that like, either even say that like still. I really do. There's a lot, and there were, there's a lot of them, and I and I tend to take a usually just read just in general to kind of see the general. And the overwhelming reviews were incredibly positive. I was like, whoa, man, like the I see. I guess thing is, I guess like that's this. what I mean by like, like personally, I'm nah, not actual I'm, film reviewers. I'm not interested really at all in like, even though I care about what people who like comic books have to say generally, in terms mm-hmm. of like an uh, actual review, I would, I don't actually, because no matter how much the comic books influence something, if a movie can't stand up as a movie, I don't give a shit. You know, and right. so like, yeah, I, mm-hmm. I, and also most, most act and the film reviews weren't negative. Most of them are like, eh, not bad. Yeah. And so, you know. I mean, but is that because one, we haven't besides WandaVision, which a lot of people have so a lot of comic book people had so many issues with because they didn't get their crazy fan theory show. <laughs> right, right, right. Um, Where's that everyone's excited about this movie that's way too close to the source. That's like at the same time, like a wild interpretation of the source that where you're just like, I don't know. I also uh, I think, think <laughs> I also think that even though Marvel is problematic in some ways with its portrayal of certain things there's just a certain and i use this word in the most general sense there are certain politics that Zack snyder's movies have a very aggro like Anne Rand, ayn rand sort of politics for them mm-hmm. that i think that a lot of the comic book reading audience is kind of mad that marvel marvel's not doing anything remarkable on social justice but it has a at the very least like center left kind of politic idea about like inclusion etc cetera, etc cetera. and so i yeah. do oh, i'm always a little suspicious of like are you just happy that there's a movie for aggro bros out there that's kind of what i'm always a little suspicious <laughs> about. Like, totally i totally think it is and that's why it's like i have that huge issue with zach Snyder because he's yeah. like he totally appeals to that audience mm-hmm. and he's like let's put more darkness in me because they're gonna love it mm-hmm. um you can tell a story in light and it's gonna still be dark yeah. We've to seen that, that point before. jake um it reminds me like i was again watching my friends kristen and thomas uh and uh thomas like made this point i i, I like saying their names as if anyone outside of me who knows them but it gives color to stories yeah yeah thomas makes this point of just like it's so awkward uh in movies where you it's clear that they forced in like swear words like where they like say like look i'll fucking kill you and i'm just like you don't i'll be honest with you i like that like, i like so watching Batman to the effort i'm not gonna lie it was it was, it was cool but it was it was fine. It was just like, it was clearly like, forced oh, yeah. it. that's like, not, it just didn't feel that. Like, also, cool with it. one yeah. more note on Ben Affleck, whoever directs him in these years of his life, more turtlenecks, more vests, please. I think mm. I'm just going to say it. He looked hot in this movie. I'm just going to say it. I think he looked <laughs> great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was a big fan of the way he looked as Bruce Wayne. <laughs> and I think more of the knitwear. 
I kind of, I like Batfleck. I'm not. Oh, like, I, I, don't, I think oh, he's actually. No. Yeah, he's I, actually no. I like him. No, is I this like where our Batman. friendship ends? Oh, well, no. Uh, and Shivani, you're very nice. I like, I've much enjoyed, I've enjoyed being your friend, but I have had the take that Ben Affleck's not a bad Batman for longer than I've known you. So it's, you know, I mean, seniority. I like, I'm not a Christian Bale fan. I like, I'm like George Clooney, Val Kilmer, like, sure. uh, like i don't know but yeah George is, 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 keaton, is keaton your batman like i don't know that we really have like good batman i like the best say. isn't the best batman kevin conroy <laughs> like in yes. the end yeah yes. you make the yes. yeah yeah, yes. yeah. I, think, I think the problem is not no actor has been able to do both batman and bruce wayne like i think ben Affleck sure. is a very convincing bruce wayne i think christian bale is a very convincing batman I think Michael Keaton. I don't know that Christian Bale is a very convincing. Batman. I mean, like, I he's a very convincing Nolan Batman. Yeah, I guess you're right. Like, I guess yeah. for yeah. what he has for what he has to do, I just like the thing. The my biggest criticism of Christian Bale's Batman is like when he's doing like the Bruce Wayne being the philanthropist, philandering sure, playboy. Sure, sure, I just sure. believe it zero percent. It's just like I just right, don't. Right. Um, but yeah, I feel I like did... Ben Affleck's in a depress like his depression pictures of him getting Duncan is all because he knows he was a terrible Batman. No, no. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, I think that I think Ben Affleck has a lot of other things to be depressed about. Although I love Ben Affleck, I stand for Ben Affleck. I don't know. I don't ever Ben Affleck can tell there. if you're I, specifically I think he's Ben so Affleck. Appreciated, honestly. Um, but, but if you're specifically Ben Affleck, you can't be depressed <laughs> about being Batman when you were also Daredevil. That's true. Oh, right. don't remind me of that. Yeah. <laughs> no, but uh, yeah, I just, I don't, honestly don't know why I stand for Ben Affleck. I, 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 like, I do like that. I, just think I mean, that like just... on my Zoom, we're split up. Like Jake and yeah. I are on the top and AC <laughs> and Shiver on the bottom. And it just seems like it's the divided by I just feel like his depressed <laughs> Ben Affleck is totally dunking stuff as like obscured the fact that like, I think he's really good at acting. <laughs> Probably, and, but. But at directing. But this whole DC segment and Zack Snyder and Ben Affleck and everything reminded me that, like, if anybody at Warner Brothers Studios um, listens to this pod, you know, let me direct or creative direct your next DC mm. project, please. Yes. And if it's a television <laughs> show, there's another person on here who, I mean, you can't necessarily have a degree in television writing, but it gets, you know, this prestigious NYU School of the Arts had said I'm good at TV. So, like, if there's possibly you need a staff writer, I'm available. Oh, let's saying. do it. Let's write our project now. Let's go. Okay. Off. Sure. Yeah, let's I'll pull a final draft. And uh, yeah, AC, you can edit this one. Anyway, so I, editing I'll it. take <laughs> free swag. Like just I approve, like some masks, I approve, so, I approve yeah. the messages by both of you here. I would love to see that. Love to see it. Um, man, this has been fun. This has been really fun. Uh, great time had by all. We uh, went to uh, half a Snyder cut. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> we really almost did. Um, We're shout approaching out to Giovanni for, uh, Yeah, I know. <laughs> shout out to Shivani for joining us. Uh, Shivani, thank you once again. Where can we follow you? Um, you can follow me on Twitter and Twitch at Shivani Banfall. Um, and then you can also see me as the second half of Want Not Need Fund or Foundation on Twitter. So um, come check us out. Hey, uh, Jerome Chang, where can we follow you, sir? Uh, you can follow me at Black Dragon Roll. And I don't know if I'm blowing your steam, but just to make sure we don't miss this, we got to shout out Cecilia Stokes. Oh, we said God. we wanted to do it on yes. this pod. 
but oh, uh, I forgot about day that. of this we recording, so um, she tweeted yes. out fan, uh, friend of the show that she got into her uh, doctoral program in English literary studies. Yay. So congratulations to you. Yay. Hopefully applause, you made applause. it through all the uh, Snyder Cut conversation to get to this message. But I know uh, we love you. Congratulations again. And thanks for being such a friend of the show. Yeah, big supporter. Really appreciate you. And uh, congratulations once again. Uh, continued success. Uh, Jay Christie, where can we follow you, sir? You can follow me on follow me on Twitter at the Jay Christie. Listen to my other podcast, No Funk and Strictly Monkin, where I talk about the show Monk with Andre Barrera. There we that, go. That was your most efficient. So, like, you're getting better each time. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. So he's really knocking it down. And of course, you can follow me on Twitter at Anthony Canton underscore three. Um, two notes. You can check out any writing that I do at uh, Murphy'sMultiverse.com, uh, Multiverse uh, Murph. And I I'm doing the Falcon and the Winter Soldier recast, but I'm going to do a little bit of a twist on it this week. Uh, we'll do a little bit of a character analysis. Um, uh, hopefully, if Zemo plays a huge part, then maybe he will be the subject of what I write about. Um, you can check anything that I do on there. Shout out to the team over there. We may have somebody from there coming by next week. So that that, that should be fun. And then the second note, um, Stephanie Williams and myself will be doing an additional show on this feed uh, later this week. Uh, we're going to tackle a little bit of the stuff that we talked about um, in terms of race in comic book and film. Uh, TV and film. So that should be a fun podcast. That should be an interesting one. I know Steph is itching to get her thoughts out. She, she mm -hmm. apologizes for not being able to make it tonight, but she will be back with us next week. And uh, yeah, so for Shivani Banfall, for Jerome Chang, for Jay Christie, I am Anthony Canton III. This has been Marvel Cinematic University, and we will talk to you next time.